And we are on air for Pamper Racing Radio. This is Thursday night, May the 11th, and uh, we are doing our NASCAR weekend preview for Darlington Raceway. Joining me for tonight's show is Jay Hughesman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. What a weekend to look forward to both on and off the track. And by off the track, I'm in the paint schemes. Uh, this has been such an amazing couple of weeks as they get ready for this with these throwback paint schemes. Seen some amazing ones out there. There really are, and it's one of the favorite weekends of the year for a lot of race fans, uh, the Darlington Throwback Race Weekend. And all three series are racing, so we have a lot to discuss. But first, we're going to uh, talk about some short track news. Uh, after that, we'll preview the ARCA East at Nashville Fairground Speedway and give a few updates for the ARCA Menards and the ARCA West Series. Um, in our next half hour, we are going to comment on the media interview with Harrison Burton, and uh, he, of course, is the driver of the uh, number 21 Wood Brothers Ford Mustang. After that, we are going to do the NASCAR Truck Series uh, preview at Darlington Raceway. Uh, next, in the next half hour, we preview the NASCAR Xfinity and the Cup Series at Darlington. And then, of course, stay tuned for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off discussion with the Fan for Racing crew. And Tommy will be joining us tonight for, for Hot Topics. Good deal. I knew I saw initially uh, Andy and Mike had both popped up uh, as unable to attend tonight. So great to have Tommy on board. Always brings a very different perspective, I'll tell you that. Uh, but it's always enjoyable. So can't wait for Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Okay, now we are going to uh, get started with our short track uh, news. Uh, do you want to go every other one here, uh, Jay? All right. Well, the first one we got out there is Matt Kenseth. Uh, he's going to join the SRX, the Superstar Racing Experience Field at Eldora Speedway on August 10th. And then Truck Series star Ty Majeski, who won the ASA Stars Joe Shear Classic at Madison International Speedway after Dan Fredrickson was disqualified. Uh, we talked about that uh, earlier this week, uh, but if you want to read about it, it's available via Matt Weaver at Short Track Scene. Also there on Short Track Scene, you can do a catch-up on Carson Cavapel and Connor Zillish as they triumphed in the Cars Tour action at Ace Speedway. And I believe he extends some of that on a chaos that reigned as Stage 1 was followed by a vicious crash and a misunderstanding and attempted fight between crew member and driver on the track. So, again, check out Matt Weaver at Short Track Scene. It sounds like he got all the news. Okay, Doug Colby also got back to Victory Lane and the Whalen Modified Tour at Monagnac Speedway. I never pronounced that correctly, so please forgive me. And that's available at Short Track Scene. Well, you ended up with that one again tonight. Derek Griffith uh, triumphed in the Pro All-Star Series, the Pass Series at Thunder Road International Speedway. That one was covered by Jeff Brown, also there at Short Track Scene. 
And Peyton Sellers swept a pair of twin 75 features at South Boston Speedway. You can read about it over at Short Track Scene. But uh, super excited to see Kenseth uh, uh, going racing with the SRX this year, and especially at Eldora. Yeah, I think that's a great addition to that series. Uh, speaking of Eldora and Dirt, Fox Sports Films is going to be running a five-part documentary series on dirt track racing. It's called Dirt, the Last Great American Sport, and it kicks off May 16th at 7 p.m. on FS1. I believe that is next Tuesday night. Uh, you can check out some information there. Kelly Crandall covered it on Racer. Mm, very cool. And then Logan Schuchart held up Rico Abreu for his first World of Outlaw Sprint Car Series win of the season. That was at Eldora Speedway on Friday. Alex Knighton wrote about it at theworldofoutlaws.com. And Abreu followed that up with an Outlaws win of his own there on the same place on Saturday. That one covered by Alex Knighton at worldofoutlaws.com. And Justin Grant won that opening night USAC uh, sprint car feature. Uh, Richie Murray wrote about that. Uh, it was, uh, it, actually, Murray. he was caught up in a crash on Saturday, allowing C.J. Leary to take the win at Eldora. That's at USAC Media. And Tyler Atmer of allstarsprint.com was covering Atomic Speedway, where Kyle Larson picked up a Tezo All-Star Circuit of Champions victory. Brandon Shepard and Kate Dillard, they tallied wins in the opener of the Worlds of Outlaw Late Model Series, the Dairyland Showdown. Mike Warren writes about it over at worldofoutlaws.com. Oh, unfortunately, those were the only two races of the weekend. Rain led to cancellation of the rest of the weekend. And, uh, again, a lot of races being rescheduled because of weather. And hopefully uh, we don't have to talk more about that next week, but we'll get to that. Uh, some other dirt news, the USAC Silver Crown race at Terry Hout um, Action Track uh, also rained out. And that was on USAC Media. Uh, re- uh, return to early season form led Ricky Thornton to a victory in the Ralph Lathan Memorial at Florence Speedway. You can read about that one over at LucasDirt.com. Also on LucasDirt.com, you can check out from uh, earlier in the week, the Winfield Warrior, Mike Marler, picked up the victory over the New Deal, Hudson O'Neill, and that was a three-race win streak with the uh, Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series there at Ponderosa Speedway. And so Neil's third win in the stretch uh, came that day prior at Atomic. Also, uh, Parker Price Miller and McCandless Racing have parted ways. Uh, we talked about that a little bit earlier this week as well. Tyler Burnett writes about that over at Flow Racing. And also, Buddy Colfoyd and CMS Racing have parted ways. So, again, Tyler Burnett writes about both of those situations. I'm still waiting to see the repercussions on that, how each uh, party fares as they move forward. So, Stay tuned for that as we get further into the race season. Absolutely. I've got a feeling these guys are going to land on their feet. 
I'd, I'd have to agree. I think both sides, I think that was one that was kind of a mutual decision. Um, again, we don't know all the inside details. It just was uh, what they both felt was best for their side. Yes, indeed. Okay. Um, there's a late model, limited late model show at Hickory to pay $1,000 to win on May 25th. Uh, so that's a limited late models are expected to participate in the Carolina Blue 50 for the limited uh, late models ahead of the ASA Stars National Tour event on May 5th, May 25th, I'm sorry. So, again, that's out at Hickory Motor Speedway, and you can read about it over at uh, Racing America. All right, let's see what else we got here on the Racing America page. Noah had a – oh, excuse me – um, the Castrol Flow Racing Night in America at Spoon River, that win goes to Dennis Herb Jr. Oh, are you at Flow Racing or Racing America? Oh, you're right. No, you're right. I pulled that off. I moved over to Flow Racing. I'm sorry. Get back over to Racing America. <laughs> I'll got, just say... so uh, many avenues of stuff we can cover. Yeah, uh, North Wilkesboro is going to show off its new look at an open house, uh, giving fans a chance to kind of check it out prior to the All-Star race. So that's going to be kind of cool. I know they uh, kicked that off already initially last night. Clint Boyer was there covering it. Uh, the next couple of weeks, uh, the information and look you can get at North Wilkesboro, just phenomenal. And part of that's going to be Daniel Suarez as he kicks off that busy week there at North Wilkesboro as he's going to be in that ASA Stars National Tour race. Mm, very cool. Cody Swanson marks the 33rd Little 500 entry. So uh, a lot of drivers uh, signing up for that race at Anderson Speedway. Uh, but let's go ahead and move over to Flow Racing now and the news that we have over there. I know you brought up one of them already. Yeah, again, Dennis Herb picking up a victory um, past week. One of the top of late model drivers in the country for the Castro Flow Racing Night in America, which took place at the American Spoon River. Okay. Also, Holly Shelton is going to return to USAC Midgets after a five-year absence. For so, for those of you who are fans of hers. Uh, look for Holly Shelton to be back to with USAC this season. You mentioned uh, Kyle Larson with the Tezos All-Star Sprints. They're going to be on display at Jacksonville and Wilmot this next weekend. You can check them out and uh, keep up to date here on Flow Racing if you can't get out to that area. Mm, absolutely. Uh, and then what you need to know about the 51st Spring Sizzler at Stafford Motor Speedway, uh, that's coming up this weekend, and uh, if you, it tells you everything you need to know before that race out at Stafford. And then this well, next one I, is interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, and I don't know that we've talked about this yet. I know it came out here two days ago on Flow Racing, but Chase Elliott's also going to join that ASA field at North Wilkesboro Speedway. And I found this one kind of interesting, Sharon, uh, as we got a couple other news from Kyle Larson, hey, uh, as well as um, another one, William Byron. Um, the discussions we've had of, of driving outside of the NASCAR Cup Series. And you see Chase Elliott 
although he is injured early in the year, they may limit, you know, maybe not sprint cars as we saw with Alex Bowman, but they're not stopping them from running these other races and other series. Mm-hmm. It's still happening. Also, Jordan Taylor is going to make a Scar, uh, Cars Tour Pro Late Model debut at North Wilkesboro. So uh, I just love seeing all these different drivers from different disciplines uh, showing up for this Cars Tour race. Well, and that is a Cars Tour Series race. I know I think Mike had it up. I don't, I don't remember where he got it from, campaigning for Jordan Taylor to be allowed into the NASCAR All-Star Series open race. <laughs> Um, either racing his way in or fan vote. I don't think that's going to happen, Mike, but we'll have to see. Exactly. Okay, moving over to our short track scene as we're running out of uh, uh, time here. Uh, Hunter Robbins is excited for a Wilkesboro return. So that's for the ASA uh, Stars race. Uh, so even uh, drivers from uh, all over the country are showing up to race this event. Well, and that next article talks about it, a 55-car entry list there for Wilkesboro. Uh, that's huge, and I, I don't know, normally starting field, I didn't get a chance to peruse that one. Normal starting field is you're talking about 24, maybe 28 cars. Uh, that's double the amount that get to start that race. Exactly, and there are a lot of familiar names on that entry list. Uh, it's it's impossible for us to mention all 55, but uh, you've got William Sawalich, Eric Jones, Johnny Sauter, uh, Derek Thorne, uh, Chase Elliott, Derek Krause, Derek Griffith, Carson Hosevar, uh Let's see, Gio Ruggiero, who's going to be racing in ARCA this week, Sammy Smith. Mason Diaz, Chandler Smith, I'm trying to catch the ones I know you'll know, Bubba Pollard, uh, Noah Gregson, Grant Infinger, uh, Caden Quapel, uh, Dan Fredrickson, who was just qualified last week, uh, Jeremy Doss, uh, Cody Connor, Connor Jones, Jake Finch, uh, Stephen Nassi, Matt Craig, Tyler Tanner, Ryan Moore, Ty Majeski, Blaine Rocha, Daniel Suarez, Augie Grill, William Byron. Those are just a few of the drivers that will be racing in that 55-car field. Well, and I'll tell you, I look at this like the truck series. you got some top drivers in the Pro Late Model Series that are there, some up-and-coming names some stars returning to, as well as some top NASCAR stars that maybe haven't even run a whole lot of late models but are participating. I mean, that just makes it for a huge all-star draw event. Uh, Man, I'm jealous of Mike. He's going to North Wilkesboro uh, coming up here, and I think he said 11 days, so minus two more, nine days. Um, That's great. It really is. Okay, we are going to move on now to the Arkham Menard Series East. They are racing the Music City 200 at Nashville Fairground Speedway this Saturday, May 13th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Flow Racing will have live uh, streaming available at 8.30, and they'll be driving a distance of 200 laps to cover 119.2 miles. So, again, let's go every other one here, Jay. All right. Well, the Music City 200 there will be the fifth Arkham Menard Series East race at the Nashville Fairground Speedway, and it's the third round of their eight-race 2023 schedule. Very cool. 
Previous uh, Arkham and Art Series East races at Nashville were held in 2007. Rogelio Lopez was the winner. Uh, in 2008, it was Matt Kobieluk. 21 and 22, it was Sammy Smith. So uh, pretty cool to see those names uh, popping up here. Well, some other names you might recognize come from previous General Tire Pole Award winners at Nashville, and those include Sean Casey, Peyton Sellers, Mason Mingus, and then the recent winner at Dover Motor Speedway in Jake Finch. Also, William Sawalich comes into the Music City 200 with a one-point lead over Jake Finch in the Arkham and Art Series East Championship standings. Sawalich won the season opener, leading every lap from the general tire pole, earning the maximum of 49 points. Finch, Finch led the most laps at Dover, but he did not get a chance to earn the bonus point for the pole when qualifying was washed out. So uh, it should be a nice competition uh, heading up to uh, Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway this weekend. Well, and speaking of competition, the four drivers, uh, Solowich, Finch, as well as Luke Fenhouse and LeVar Scott, they've finished among the top five, four races that have finished, or four drivers that have finished in the top five in both races so far going back to Five Flags Speedway and then Dover Motor Speedway. And seven drivers, uh, Solowich, Finch, Fenhouse, Scott, Ad Zinkery, Tinkle, Sean Hingarani, and Ed Pompa, they've all finished among the top ten in both races so far in 2023. So that's going to affect the point standings we'll take a look at. It certainly will. Uh, Fenhouse is third in the championship standings right now, six points out of the lead. Scott is fourth. He's 11 points behind, and Tinkle rounds out the top five, 15 points behind. But Jake Finch is the uh, one who leads the series with a 2.0 average finish, third at Five Flags Speedway, first at Dover. Fenhouse and Sawalich are both tied for the next best average finish. And Solowich led all 200 laps at Five Flags Speedway, but there were five different leaders at Dover Speedway. Uh, Finch led 89 laps, Connor Jones 30, and LeVar Scott had four, Solowich two, and then Landon Lewis picked up one. And Solowich, Finch, and Fenhouse are the three drivers that have completed all 327 possible laps in the two races into 2023. Yeah, so uh, this is uh, one of those races you want to watch because (laughs) these guys are very competitive and uh, they are definitely uh, going to put on a show this weekend out at uh, Fairground Speedway. Again, that's the Music City 200, May 13th, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, via live streaming at Flow Racing. But keep in mind, you can always hear the radio coverage at ArcaRacing.com, as well as their Race Central provides updates directly from the track as uh, everything is happening. So uh, definitely you want to check that out. Let's go ahead and cover the points, standings for the ARCA East. All right. We got, I got one last note there. Uh, with his win there at Dover, Finch became the 127th different driver to win an ARCA Menard Series East race. Uh, that's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. So that's, that is very impressive. Okay, so the ARCA East uh, point standings, Jay. 
Well, we talked about William Stalwich again. It's a one-point uh, difference between him and second-place Jake Finch. Look across their stat line. One win, two top fives, two top tens for both of them. Uh, the only change there is Solowich does have the one pole uh, award. Then you got Luke Fenhouse, fourth in points. That's about where we left off. LeVar Scott is 11 points out. Zachary Tinkle is only 15 points out. Then you jump down to sixth through tenth. Sean Hingrani, running for both championships, the East and the West, is only 16 points out. Ed Pompas in seventh. Tim Monroe in eighth. Rita Goulette out of McCalla, Alabama in ninth. And Dale Shear rounds out the top ten. And I believe those are all the drivers. Yep, your top ten are the ones that have made both starts so far. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, again, I think uh, that those stats up at the top could change very quickly with uh, somebody else getting a win. So uh, the party is in the Music City for the Arca East Series drivers uh, this weekend. But um, another bit of news that came out of Arkham and Art Series uh, this week, and it, it involves the East, uh, the Arca East is actually racing at Flat Rock Speedway on May the 20th, and Billy Venturini, the owner and chief architect of the most prolific NASCAR driver development team in the Arca Menard Series history, has announced that he's returning to the seat for the upcoming Menard Series East event at Flat Rock Speedway on May the 20th. So it'll be the first time that he's trapped into the car in 17 years. He'll be driving that number 20 JBL Toyota Camry, uh, and uh, he'll be able to cross that one off his bucket list. So really cool news to hear about uh, Billy Venturini. That is one. And, uh, Sharon, I know you got some connection there. Brian uh, gave me the, or passed along the thought of maybe seeing if we couldn't get Mr. Venturini on the, uh, on the show here. I know he normally yeah, will provide his drivers pretty good. I don't know if we can get himself on here. I've already sent the request, so we'll see what happens. All right. Sharon's on top of it. I am. Uh, sometimes sometimes uh, it happens, sometimes it doesn't, but uh, at least we're, we're making that effort uh, to see if we can make it happen. I'm going to go down oh. the full entry list here for this uh, race. I know we've got 15 drivers entered. Yeah, we can do that. Let's go ahead. All right. You want to start from the I'll bottom go ahead up? And start down here. Yep. Uh, Nate Mueller is going to be in the number 06 for Wayne Peterson Toyota. Comes out of Lafayette, Ohio. Wayne Peterson will also be calling the shots as crew chief. Okay, and in the Hillenburg Toyota for FastTrackRacing.com is Brayton Laster, driver 01. He hails from Greenwood, Indiana, and Josh Duke will be on top of his pit box. The Shear Speed number 98 Toyota will be owned and driven by Dale Shear. I guess he's still maybe looking for a crew chief, might have to call his own race. It's to be announced. Driving the number 95 is Tanner Arms from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Tennessee. He'll be driving the Sunset Park RV Manufacturing Toyota from Mark Noble. Tony Pankaskis is his crew chief. 
Another driver owner, you got Brad Smith in the number 48. Copriah Ford comes out of Shelby Township of Michigan, and he's got Jeff Smear or Jeff Smith, sorry, with him. Okay, and in the number 31 is Rita Goulet from McGalla, Alabama. She's driving the InspireRealChange.org Chevrolet uh, for her re- for her um, race team, and Tim Goulet will be on top of the book pit box. Got the well-known name Shane Huffman, crew chief in the Mark Webb number 28 Chevrolet, and that's of your third place, Luke Fenhouse with the Pinnacle Racing Group machine, comes out of Wausau, Wisconsin. And we mentioned Gio Ruggiero. He's driving that number 20 this weekend for Venturini Motorsports. Uh, and uh, he hails from Seekonk, Massachusetts. And uh, Shannon Roosh will be his uh, crew chief. And the starkly sound gear number 18 Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing, that'll be by Eden Prairie, Minnesota's William Solich. Matt Ross is going to be the one leading him in that race. Very cool. Sean Hingarani was back in the number 15 Venturini uh, Toyota. Bill Venturini uh, is the owner. Kevin Reed Jr. will be the crew chief. We got the Michelle Hillenberg number 12 Chevrolet. That'll be Stephanie Moyer out of Sheptown, Pennsylvania, with the fast track UTI. Race car and Dalen Hairston going to be the crew chief. Todd Parrott will be the crew chief on top of the pit box for the Hillenburg owned number 11 Toyota driven by Zachary Tinkle from Speedway, Indiana. His uh, sponsor, NASCAR Foundation and NASCAR Day Giveathon. So, uh, very, very uh, much of a giving spirit there with Zachary Tinkle. Another UTI, which is the Universal Technical Institute. That one will be sponsorship on the number 10 of Tim Monroe, calling his own shot, but driving the Andy Hillenberg Ford. LeVar Scott will be in the number 6 Rev Racing Max Siegel Chevrolet, uh, and Jay Lupo will be on top of his pit box. Then some names known amongst NASCAR fans, the James Finch-owned number 1, Going to be driven by Jake Finch, as it has been, out of Lynn Haven, Florida. You got a longtime sponsor, Phoenix Construction, on that Toyota with Johnny Allen listed as the crew chief. Okay. Also, just to let you know, the next race for the Arkham Menard Series will be at Charlotte Motor Speedway on May 26th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. The General Tire 150 can be watched on Fox Sports 1. So uh, that that's going to be a popular one out at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And then for the ARCA West, their next race is June 2nd out at Portland International Raceway and will be live-streamed on Flow Racing June 2nd at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. <clears throat> so... Uh, a lot of good racing coming up here in the Arkham Menard series, for sure. But there's all kinds of uh, great stories, as we've mentioned before, uh, over at uh, ArcaRacing.com. And you'll want to get over there and read some of these because uh, Arca has such a rich history here in the Midwest, and now they're expanding uh, to become more nationwide. And uh, it's really been a lot of fun to watch that transitioning happening. 
It has, and I know there we talked about it. Uh, Billy Venturini, you can uh, read more about him competing in that Arkham Menard Series East event at Flat Rock Speedway, uh, as well as you mentioned the NASCAR Foundation, NASCAR Day Give-A-Thon um, with Zachary Tinkle. There's an article up there as well on that. Yes, indeed. Okay, we're going to go ahead and move over. Uh, we're going to, we do have that media interview with um, Harrison Burton. He's the driver of the number 21 Wood Brothers Ford Mustang, and uh, he was part of the Ford Media Day uh, this week. And uh, we're going to listen to maybe about 8 to 10 minutes of his interview, and then Jay and I will comment afterward. So here we go with uh, Harrison Burton. He's in the Cup Series now, so that's so cool. Hopping on today, we have Harrison Burton with us, driver of the number 21 Wood Brothers Ford Mustang. Um, we have a lot going on at Darlington, Harrison, and I'd like to serve you up a Wolfgang style two questions. Um, first, I'd like to give you the platform to talk about your family inspired paint scheme this year and what makes it so special. And then, secondly, I'd be remiss not to mention uh, that the Wood Brothers are Ford's all-time winningest team there. So how's preparation been at the shop? Is they chase number 100 and you chase your first Cup Series win. So Yeah, I'll touch on the first one first. Uh, obviously really cool. I've gotten to do a couple of my dad's teams throughout the years. And um, when I started racing for the Wood Brothers, I wasn't really sure if that would continue or not. And um, they didn't really uh you know it wasn't like i asked them to i expected them to want to do some of their history and uh, i would have been really proud to drive some of those paint teams as well um but then you know when they sent me last year um my dad's paint scheme and and let me kind of uh drive that and and a 21 car was really cool uh that was a cool moment for us and and then this year uh, was a similar process. Obviously, the NASCAR 75th anniversary and and all that. So I figured maybe they would want to do something that they had way back in the day. But uh, no, they wanted to do my dad's old scheme. So that was really cool. Um, you know, they helped me pick which ones. And obviously, the uh, the one where he won in the rain at Darlington, sweep that year at Darlington was was a, a easy answer. So um, that was that was a cool uh, cool moment and. Uh, some of them I'm excited to drive. And then as far as our preparation goes, I feel like it was uh, been a good week for us, actually. I feel like we're trending in the right direction. We had uh, a really bad result last weekend, but really good speed. Um, there's a couple runs in there where um, the metrics had us, you know, through a stint, ranked fourth, um, and just average lap time through a little stint there. So there's some stints throughout the race there where we had really good speed and um, just got – caught up in, in a little bit of a crash there and took that chance away. But, um, you know, that's racing, and, and the speed will fix all things. So um, preparation this week has been good, building off of what we did in Kansas and, and trying to bring that to dawn. Awesome. We'll open it up for questions. Uh, Rob, why don't you take this away? Thank you very much. Harrison, I know you talked about having the great speed that you saw at Kansas, and that was pretty prevalent. So even though it's kind of been sort of a struggle this season, first of all, how encouraged are you to see the November 21 team 
have the speed to contend for race wins and get good finishes. And secondly, you know, as we head towards the summer months, how are you preparing with all of the grueling conditions ahead, starting with Darlington all the way to the 600? Yeah, it's a tough stretch of races for sure. Um, you know, on the first part, I, I feel like um, really I'm really encouraged. Uh, I've passed, you know, there was runs where I got, we had a, a bad run early um, and made some big changes to the car and then, you know, I was stuck a lap down. Uh, but past, me and Eric Jones are racing for the free pass and we passed up to like 12th or 13th on the running position racing for the lucky dog. So, both of us all of a sudden found all this speed, and it was really fun because we were passing through the field while kind of racing each other, and that was encouraging, um, you know, to, to pass a lot of cars. It was a lot of, um, you know, even if they weren't for position, like in that run, I passed from the back of the field up to there, and then the next run kind of did the same thing. And, um, you know, those were for position, but that was really fun. Um, and then the summer months coming up is a super tough stretch. These cars have been pretty warm for sure. Um, so just staying in the gym, being outside a lot, um, and and kind of running is, has been a, a big thing that I don't really love doing, uh, but something I have been doing quite a bit of. So uh, just getting back in the swing of that and, and staying kind of in good shape is kind of the foundation, and then the rest is just hydration throughout the, throughout the week. Sounds good, Harrison. Well, best of luck this weekend, and hope to see you soon. Thank you. We'll kick it to Bob. Yeah, Harrison, um, I don't, you're not doing any racing at North Wilkesboro, are you? The cars for the ASA? What's that? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Uh, that's right. Um, you're not doing any of the cars for the ASA for the truck race, are you? At yeah, I'm not, I'm not running the truck or the ASA race. I might be in the uh, North Wilkesboro late model race. I'm still kind of ironing out those details, but that might be like a late thing that's coming together. So, um, yeah, I'm excited if that happens, um, but we'll see. I, I'm excited to do that if if I can do that, um, just to try and get some laps on that racetrack would be really important. I think just to have an advantage. So, we'll see how it goes. I've got a few things to iron out first, and a lot of small details about running away from a team that you know, like. The Wood Brothers are something that's established that you kind of have to handle on your own while running a cup season has been challenging, but I think I'll uh, I think I'll be able to get it done. So we'll see. And if you can't do that, what, what can you do to prepare? I mean, is there an emulator enough that uh, that you can prepare? Yeah, it's a bit of a guesstimation, right? I mean, they, we had the test, and and um, I wasn't there. Obviously, the uh, I think the Ford representative was. Butcher that was there. Um, so we get some data from there. Ford has some data from there that's uh, helpful for us. And, um, you know, so that's been a good building block, I think. And, and the simulator will be as close as we can get it without having a full race on it. Um, so, you know, would you not be able to run that race? I think the biggest thing you do is, is watch that late model race. And, and then on top of that, um, you know, try and use the simulator as much as to your advantage as you can, for sure. And uh, you had your scrap with Noah a few years ago, and a lot of the chatter about it is how uh, the security stepped in before they before Noah could almost retire. I'm just curious, as a guy, like, do you want the security people to uh, come in and stop things, or would you prefer that you all be able to settle? That's a good question. Uh, I don't know. I mean, when me and Noah fought, we 
kind of were able to fight for a while before England broke us up, and we went to the ground and all that. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I didn't have a problem with what happened with us. Uh, I, I didn't, you know, if if we got into a fight, I felt like that was on my own terms. There's two ways to look at it, right? I mean, here's the thing: is is you see guys that maybe got in a really hard crash and are mad at each other, and one guy might not be feeling good, uh, might have, might be a little hurt, and the other guy wants to fight him, I could see how that would be a problem. Um, but then on the other hand, you don't want to just have a guy get punched in the face and not be able to do anything about it either. So kind of in between a rock and a hard place. I know the fans love it. I love watching hockey fights, or just hockey in general, because you know that they're going to be hitting each other hard and stuff. And so it's a, it's a catch-22 for sure. Um, but I don't know. I, I definitely could see where Noah would probably have wanted to have at least a fair shot back, but you know, it's probably on the safer side of things to separate us. But the young guy in me wants to be like, yeah, just let him fight it out. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. Okay, Jay, your thoughts here. Well, I had them all in my head until that last segment, so I'm going to start there. Uh, and work backwards, but I think it was kind of ironic, if you will. We kind of talked about this with Denny Hamlin. I think Harrison Burton was kind of defending Noah there, like, hey, he took a punch. How come he didn't, he didn't get to take his? But uh-huh. he also sh- showed the mature outside um, take on it of, hey, one of the drivers may be hurting and they don't know it yet. You know, they haven't been through the infield care center or gotten everything checked out. So, I thought that was a real mature answer, uh, something I hadn't really thought about. The Prior to that, though, I think he hit on a couple of things there that I wanted to mention, taking it a little deeper than even his answer. A, he's, they're talking about the paint scheme. He's running with being a, a generational driver um, with the Burton name. Then you're driving for the Wood Brothers. Um, that's a couple of heavy loads as far as uh, NASCAR and tradition, so... I think he's got a lot on his shoulders that people don't realize when, when you think about that. And then talking about the Wood Brothers, the, the next two kind of tie in. Talked about the improvements that they've seen in speed. And I know when a lot of people look at it and say he hasn't performed since he's come to the cup level. Uh, they have not finished the best. But what he dug into was looking at what they have as far as speed and what they're doing to build upon that. And I know a lot of races, I feel like he has just been involved in something that wasn't necessarily of his doing, just wrong position, wrong time. And part of that comes with, if you don't have the speed, you're in that eye of the storm area, mid-pack on back. Um, So I think that's part of it. Uh, And as they build on that, and then the last part that was in my mind was when he was asked about running other races in this case, and it's twofold. Um, He said something about it, you know, if they're cup team isn't doing real well the the focus should be there you don't want it to be a distraction however how do you get better more seat time especially when it comes to the track you mentioned of north wilkesboro get some laps on the track whether it be on the sim watching the race or being able to drive but then you're jumping into a team that you haven't worked with so you got to spend some time with them to get accustomed that's taken away from the cup side so again there's a balance there with it Yeah, there definitely is, and it's really cool that uh, Harrison has been able to run 
um, you know, two really great paint schemes from his dad's uh, days of raising, racing. And uh, I think this one this weekend is one of my favorites. So uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing Harrison on the track and uh, doing well this weekend. Uh, I also liked his uh, conversation about how he prepares uh, with the sim racing and the time that they spend in there, uh, eating right, getting fresh air, um, uh, making sure that they're hydrated before they get in the car because it is going to be hot again uh, this weekend, I believe, and and that hydration is just so, so important uh, when these guys are confined in those race cars and uh, it gets about uh, 20 degrees hotter uh, when you're inside a race car. Well, and you want to throw back. We'll do a throwback. You talk about drivers training, how it's changed now versus back then. Drivers like, uh, I believe it was Dale Jarrett, uh, not Dale Jarrett, Ned Jarrett, Richard Petty, those drivers used to talk about how they would take their uh, personal vehicle, roll the windows up in the summer, and drive with the heat on. That was how they conditioned for races like this, where you said a longer race, a tougher race when it comes to Darlington, getting prepared for that. So there's your throwback to training. Yeah, there you go. Okay, um, let's go ahead and get started now then with the uh, uh, the uh, what am I trying to say? The truck series. They are racing at Darlington Raceway this weekend, and they're going to be the first ones on the track for uh, for their race. Let me get to my notes here. All right. Uh, they are driving the Buckle Up South Carolina 200 at Darlington Raceway this Friday, May the 12th. That's tomorrow night uh, at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Fox Sports 1 will carry pre-race coverage starting at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, and uh, there will be radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll be driving a distance of 200.8 miles over 147 laps. Uh, the first two stages are 45 laps each. Stage one ends on lap 45, stage two on lap 90, and then the last stage is 57 laps. And, uh, that will end on lap 147. So, uh, really cool to see the trucks back on the track this weekend out at Darlington Raceway. Well, and that's one of those, uh, certainly any track you see them on, but Darlington's a good one. And we've talked about this crossover. we got four NASCAR Cup Series drivers that are going to attempt to make that Craftsman Truck Series race at Darlington. Of the 38 entries in this weekend's Buckle Up South Carolina 200, they're going to be, those four drivers are going to be either pulling double or possible triple duty. we got William Byron, Bubba Wallace, and Corey LaJoy will look to make their Darlington Raceway Craftsman Truck Series debut, while Ross Chastain is going to visit the Lady in Black for the second time. We'll start with six-time NASCAR Cup Series winner William Byron. He's going to attempt his 28th Craftsman Truck Series start, getting behind the wheel of the number 51 Chevrolet for Kyle Busch Motorsports this weekend at Darlington. Now, 2311 racing driver Bubba Wallace, he'll attempt to make his 50th NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series start. He'll be in the number one Tricon Garage Toyota Tundra. In 49 starts, he has six career 
Truck Series wins. Attempting to make his fourth career Craftsman Truck Series start, Corley Joy, he's going to be in the number seven Spire Motorsports Chevrolet. And lastly, Ross Jastain. He's made one previous start at Darlington in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. In 2022, he finished 26. He'll be joining Nice Motorsports, and he'll be attempting to make his 105th Truck Series career start. It'll be behind the wheel of that number 41 Chevrolet. Okay. Also, Nick Sanchez is going to honor Mario Andretti with his throwback paint scheme. Uh, Nick Sanchez is honoring Andretti at Darlington Raceway by paying homage to the uh, driver's number 67 Daytona 500 victory. With primary sponsorship from GameBridge, the number two Chevrolet will bear the powder blue, gold, and red that Andretti wheeled to Victory Lane in the 1967 Daytona 500, his only NASCAR triumph in his monumental career. Andretti will be on site at Darlington to see his cherry paint scheme uh, while celebrating NASCAR's 75th Andretti anniversary. Andretti and Sanchez are also holding a media availability this Friday at uh, Darlington's Media Center. So uh, there'll be some good stories that come out of that for sure. Certainly. And I think the 75th uh, anniversary of NASCAR just adds to this throwback weekend uh, with what they've done. So been a huge, huge uh, couple of weeks leading into this. Now, some drivers to watch in the truck series at the too-tough-to-tame track. Matt Crafton is the only driver in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series to make all 10 previous Darlington starts. That's known as the Lady in Black or too-tough-to-tame as well. In those 10 starts, Crafton has finished in the top 10 seven times. His best finish being a fourth place in 2011 and 2021. Last year, driver number 88 Ford finished fifth. Nice Motorsports, Carson Hosevar. He finished with a hard-fought runner-up effort in overtime last year. It was the third time he'd achieved that career-best mark without winning and was the second time in a row. In three starts at the track, too tough to tame. Hosevar has done a good job. He's two top five finishes and led 10 laps. His 2021 debut, driver of the number 42 Chevrolet, finished third. And lastly, we got current winner, or most recent winner, GMS Racing's Grant Enfinger. He heads into Darlington after triumphing in Kansas. The Alabama Alabama native has three top fives and four top ten finishes in four starts at the 1.366 mile track. Last year, he recorded his best finish at the track, which was third. Okay. Uh, Well, after an adrenaline-charged weekend in Kansas, the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series is ready to throw it back during the Buckle Up South Carolina 250 at Darlington this weekend. They've hosted 10 Craftsman Truck Series races with the inaugural event on May of 2001. It was a run by Bobby Hamilton. Door Sport Racing's Matt Crafton is the only driver in the series to make all 10 previous starts at the 1.366-mile track. The 10 Craftsman Truck Series races have produced six different pole winners and seven different race winners. Five of the drivers are tied for the series' most poles at Darlington with one each. That includes Jack Sprague, 
in 2001, Jason Leffler in 02, Carl Edwards in 04, Timothy Peters in 2010, and uh, Cole Witt in 2011. Three drivers are tied for the series' most wins with two each. That includes Hamilton in, from 2001 to 2003, Casey Kane in 2004 and 11, and Sheldon Creed has a uh, 2021 sweep. So uh, that's a big throwback right there. Yeah, there are a couple of names mentioned in there I hadn't heard in a while. Uh, Cole Witt, I remember seeing him run. Now, we'll go back and talk a little bit about him, but we'll talk more about Grant Enfinger as he soars to the heart of America 200 victory there for GMS. GMS Racing's wheelman Grant Enfinger prevailed late Saturday night at Kansas Speedway to earn his first NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series victory of the season and clinch a spot into the playoffs. This season marks the fifth time Enfinger has earned a spot in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series playoffs in his career, having done so now in 2023, 22, 2020, as well as 19 and 18. The only one missing there was 2021, and we won't discuss why that was. <laughs> Victory was, uh, yeah. Sharon and I have some opinions on that, but uh, the victory was Enfinger's eighth career win and his first at Kansas Speedway, as well as his first since winning at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park back in 2022. Driver of the number 23 GMS Racing Chevrolet led a race high 65 laps in route to that Kansas win. Our Tricon Garage's Corey Heim was a close battle for second over front row motorsport Zane Smith. Heim posted his sixth top 10 finish of 2023 and his second top 10 in three races at Kansas. Smith also earned his sixth top 10 finish in seven races at Kansas. In her historic debut, we talked a little bit about this. Tony Bridinger earned a 15th place finish driving the number one Victoria Secrets Toyota Tundra for Tricon Garage. She made history as not only the first Arab-American woman to debut in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series, but the best finish in history by a female driver. The feat was previously owned by Haley Deegan, who finished 16th in her debut at Kansas Speedway in 2020. So a lot of history making there as well. There is, and again, it's going to be fun to watch uh, the Craftsman Truck Series race again uh, out at Darlington Raceway. That was a good race in Kansas, and now we've got a chance to see another good one. All right. Uh, I know we're ahead of schedule, but we are going to go ahead and do this because we need all the time we can get, the extra time we get for the Cup Series. Uh, but this is for the Xfinity Series, the Shriners Children 200 uh, at Darlington Raceway on Saturday, May 13th. That will be at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and uh, pre-race coverage will be on Fox starting at 1 p.m. Also, MRN and SiriusXM NASCAR Radio will be carrying coverage. Again, they're racing a distance of 200.8 miles over 147 laps. First two laps are 45 laps each, with lap stage one ending on lap 45 stage two ends on lap 90 and the last stage is 57 laps ending on lap 147 well we got to look at first off jgr's ryan Truex 
as he's looking to go back-to-back. After finally getting the first win of his career a couple of weeks ago at Dover, Joe Gibbs Racing driver Ryan Truex back this weekend at Darlington Raceway, and he's going to look to make it two in a row. Now, if Truex accomplishes the feat, he'll become the eighth different driver in Xfinity Series uh, to get their first two wins in back-to-back races. This is an interesting list. Uh, he would join Rick Mast, who did it in 1987, Steve Grissom in 1990, Chad Little in 1995, then Jamie McMurray in 2002, Chase Elliott in 2014, William Byron in 2017, and Austin Sendrick did it in 2019. There's some throwback names for you. Now, Ryan Truex has made three starts at Darlington. He's posted a best finish of 15th, and that came in 2018. Okay, let's take a look at the Sunoco Rookie of the Year battle. Chandler Smith holds the lead. The 2023 Rookie Contenders have 10 races under their belts as they head into this weekend's Shriner Children's 200 at Darlington Raceway. Right now, leading the uh, Rookie of the Year standings, as I mentioned, is Chandler Smith. The college racing driver has secured his spot in the playoffs with his one win at Richmond. He also has two He has four top fives, he has five top tens, and he sits third in the overall point standings at 339 points. Sliding in next is Joe Gibbs Racing Sammy Smith, who also secured his spot in the playoffs with his first Xfinity Series career win at Phoenix earlier this season. Now, Smith has racked up 296 points with his first win, with this one win, uh, three top fives and four top tens. Right now, he's 43rd. He's 43 points behind Chandler Smith. Jordan Anderson Racing's Parker Retzclaff is third in the rookie standings at 199 points. He's posted one top five and two top tens, and in his, that's all in his ten starts this season. Closing out the competition is Blaine Perkins who sits at 64 points. Remember, he was out for a race, so uh, that kind of put him uh, in a little bit of a hole. But we'll see what he does for the rest of the year. Well, we mentioned uh, the track being too tough to tame. Some guys are going to try and – drivers are going to try and tame it twice as we've got double-duty drivers at Darlington. And some of them can't get enough of the throwback fun. So pulling double duty in this weekend's Shriners Children's 200 NASCAR Xfinity Series race. You got Kyle Larson, Ross Chastain, Ty Dillon, Corey Hiram, Carson Hosevar, and Matt Mills, as they'll be strapping into it on Saturday. Larson is going to be teaming up with Colleg Racing, get behind the wheel of the number 10 Chevrolet. It'll be his first Xfinity Series start of the 2023 season. But the California Phenom is familiar with Darlington Raceway. He's made five Xfinity Series starts at the 1.366-mile track and has posted two top fives as well as five top tens. Our current NASCAR Cup Series points leader, uh, standings points leader, trackhouse racing driver Ross Chastain, he'll be one pulling triple duty this weekend at Darlington. For the Shriners, 200, Shriners Children's 200, He'll be getting behind the wheel of the number one or the number 91 DGM Racing Chevrolet for his second Xfinity Series start of the season. 
He's made seven starts at the historic Darlington track here in the Xfinity Series. With that, he's posted one top five, three top tens, and has led a total of 134 laps. And Chastain mentioned also being the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series on Friday night in the number 41 Nice Motorsports Chevrolet, and that'll be Chastain's Truck Series start of the 2023 season. Okay. Another one, Spire, Spire Motorsports, uh, driver Ty Dillon. He'll be joining Richard Childress Racing to drive the number three. We talked about this, the historic number three Chevrolet this weekend at Darlington, the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Dillon will be making his first Xfinity start of the season this weekend. North Carolina native then made, has made eight Xfinity Series starts at Darlington, where he's posted three top tens. Who else we got? NASCAR trucks. Craftsman Truck Series competitor and Tricon Garage driver Corey Heim. He'll be driving the number 24 Toyota for Sam Hunt Racing this Saturday at Darlington. Heim, has made, Heim made his Xfinity Series debut earlier this season at Dover Motor Speedway. And this will make his Series de- track debut at Darlington. And lastly, we got NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series driver and Nice Motorsports rising star, Carson Hosvar. This was supposed to happen a couple of weeks ago, but he'll be teaming up with Spire Motorsports and a pilot the number 77 Chevrolet this weekend. He made his Xfinity Series debut earlier this season at Coda, and this will be his track debut for Darlington. Okay, so uh, that's a lot of double duty drivers, and some even doing triple duty. Okay, going big on the throwback paint schemes at Darlington this weekend's NASCAR's official throwback weekend, and the Xfinity Series drivers are excited to show off their paint schemes at the track as well. So uh, let's take a look at some of the schemes that have been announced so far. Uh, we can't look at them per se, but uh, if you do want to see any of these, they are available at J-Skis. Cole Custer's number 00 Stuart Haas Racing Ford will honor Jason Luffler's 2004 paints Riley Earps driving the number 98 Stuart Haas Racing Ford is inspired by Ken Block's 2010 Fiesta Rally car. Then Sheldon Creed in the number two RCR Chevrolet will pay tribute to Kevin Harvick's 2001 championship winning AC Delco car. Austin Hill driving the number 21 RCR Chevrolet will resemble Kevin Harvick's 2006 championship-winning car. Justin Algauer in the number seven Junior Motorsports Chevrolet will pay homage to Brant's 70th anniversary. Sam Mayer is throwing it back to Kurt Busch's 2001 black and blue Sharpie scheme in his number one Junior Motorsports Chevrolet this weekend. Then John Sperry, also from Junior Motorsports, driving the number eight Chevrolet, will resemble Hutton Strickland's 1996 Circuit City car, and Sammy Smith, driving the number 18 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota, is honoring Pilot Flying J's 65th anniversary. Brett Moffat will be driving the number 25 Ford with AM Racing. He'll throw it back to Tim Richmond's 2000, I'm sorry, 1986 to 1987 Folgers car, 
Kaz Grella in the number 26 Stuart House Racing Toyota is honoring NASCAR's fire and safety workers as well as his first responders. Jeffrey Earnhardt driving the number 45 Alpha Prime Racing Chevrolet is honoring his grandfather's Dale Earnhardt's 1997 All-Star Race Paint Scheme. Sage Karam's number 44 Alpha Prime Racing Chevrolet will pay tribute to Richard Childress Racing's original CRC Auto Paint Scheme. And then Ryan Ellis in the number 43 Alpha Prime Racing Chevrolet will throw it back to Kevin Harvick's 2005 Quicksilver Design. Jeremy Clements, driving the number 51 Chevrolet, will resemble Jeff Bodine's paint scheme from the 1980s. And, uh, again, there's just so many different paint schemes uh, that are so cool this weekend. Uh, head on over to Jayski's and check out all those great paint schemes for all three series. I was just thinking, Sharon, you could do a, do a show or a good chunk of it on the history, as you were reading through some of those and thinking about it, the history that goes with them uh, is so yes. cool. Uh, it's such a great weekend. It's now, a with that, not only do you need to look good, but conquering the lady in black, that's a whole different story. Uh, as we look at NASCAR's throwback weekend at Darlington Raceway, we'll take a little trip down memory lane. Three drivers entered into this weekend's Shriners Children's 200 have conquered the lady in black. Cole Custer did it in 2019. In 2020, it was Brandon Jones. And then for the last two years, it's been Justin Allgaier in 21 and 22. Stuart Haas Racing's Cole Custer snagged his win in 2019 in that double zero Ford. He's made three starts at Darlington Raceway, posting one win, the two top fives, as well as all three top tens. Look at Junior Motorsports now. Brandon Jones, he posted his Darlington Raceway Xfinity Series win in 2020 after just leading the last two laps and beating the competition, though, by 3.363 seconds. He's no stranger to the 1.366-mile track. He's made 10 starts, posting the one win in 2020, two top fives, and five top tens. In last season's fall race, he did start from the pole position. Now, Algar is the only driver in the field this weekend with multiple wins at the track too tough to tame, having done it in 21 and 22. In fact, Junior Motorsports has won the last four straight Darlington raceways. Look at Justin Algar in May of 21 and 22. Noah Gregson was your winner in September of 2021 and 20, September 2022. A veteran driver from Illinois in Algar He's made 15 starts at the 1.366-mile egg-shaped track. He's posted the two victories as well as six top fives, 11 top tens, and led a total of 157 laps. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Okay, as the NASCAR Xfinity Series gears up for Darlington's throwback weekend, uh, that race again is this Saturday uh, at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. There have been 65 Xfinity Series races held at Darlington Raceway, producing 35 different race winners and 31 different pole winners. 
15 races have been won from the pole or first starting position, most recently by Denny Hamlin in 2017, who sits as the Darlington race record holder with his 2015 speed at 141.355 miles per hour. NASCAR Hall of Famer Mark Martin, he holds quite a few records at that historic 1.366-mile track as well. He has most wins at eight, most poles at eight, most top fives at 14, most top tens at 18, and most laps led at 972. Xfinity Series drivers are going to kick off their weekend this Friday, May the 12th, with practice at 5.05 p.m., followed by qualifying at 5.35 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. So, uh... Xfinity Series uh, is uh, just as excited as the Cup Series for this throwback weekend. Most certainly, and there's a lot of history there. When you talk about what is now the Xfinity Series, you know, it used to be the Bush Grand National. Uh, you heard a lot about Mark Martin, and that tells you the, the history that goes with it. Yes, it does. All right, the next race for the NASCAR Cup Series is the Goodyear 400 at Darlington Raceway. That race takes place Sunday, May the 14th at 3 p.m. Eastern, and Fox Sports 1 carries the pre-race coverage starting at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, radio coverage is on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 400.2 miles over 293 laps. First two stages, uh, well, first stage is 90 laps, ending on lap 90. The second stage is 95 laps, ending on lap 185. And the final stage is going to be the last stage at lap 293. Uh, That final stage will end with the race winner. All right, what do we have in the Cup Series here, Jay? Well, when you talk about throwing back in the 75th anniversary of NASCAR, it's built off of milestones. And we've got a couple of wa- to watch uh, when it comes to Burton, Dillon, Gillen, and Keselowski. So over the next several weeks, uh, a few NASCAR Cup Series drivers will be making milestone starts in their careers. This weekend at Darlington, we ha- uh, Raceway, our uh, media interview from earlier, Harrison Burton, is expected to make his 50th NASCAR Cup Series career start. Then in a couple of weeks, we'll look at Charlotte Motor Speedway. It's Austin Dillon is expected to make his 350th NASCAR Cup Series start. Another one right around with uh, Harrison Burton. got Front Row Motorsports, Todd Gillen. He'll also be making his 50th NASCAR Cup Series career start at Charlotte Motor Speedway in a few weeks. Plus, this weekend, Todd Gillen and FRM are going to honor former driver and current senior vice president of competition in NASCAR, Elton Sawyer, uh, with the throwback paint scheme on his number 38 Ford to help celebrate NASCAR's 75th anniversary and its annual throwback weekend. Uh, Gillen's car will have a similar paint scheme to what Sawyer ran in the NASCAR Xfinity Series in the 1997 and 98 seasons. And then when we hit uh, in your neck of the woods there, Sharon, the Worldwide Technology Raceway, RFK's Brad, RFK Racing's Brad Keselowski, 
expected to become the 46th different driver all time to eclipse the 500 starts mark in the NASCAR Cup Series. Wow, again, very impressive uh, stats there. Okay, next, Jen is putting up uh, some impressive numbers at Kansas. I heard a lot of people talking about that this being one of the best races they've ever watched in NASCAR. The next-gen car in the Cup Series continues to provide some of the best racing that the NASCAR Cup Series has ever produced. The season's Cup Series race at Kansas set a new track record in lead changes with 37. That's up 29.7% from the previous Kansas track record of 26 lead changes set in 2009. In the 23 Kansas Speedway, uh, the NASCAR Cup Series race we had 65 green flag passes for the lead. That set a new record. Uh, and saw an increase of plus 58.5% in green flag passes for the lead compared to the 2022 Kansas event with 41 green flag passes for the lead. The 2023 Kansas Speedway, uh, at the, the NASCAR Cup Series race, had 3,632 green flag passes increase of 67.6% in total green flag passes compared to the 2022 event with 2,167 total green flag passes for the lead. So amazing the amount of passing that took place out there at Kansas Speedway. Well, I know we've had some intense uh, discussions when it comes to that, and I'm glad all fans and everybody involved saw it on the track there at Kansas. Uh, If you didn't, you were watching with some serious blinders on because it was definitely there. Yes, indeed. Part of the 75th uh, anniversary, we got Dale Jarrett has been named the honorary pace car driver for the Goodyear 400. He was one of the NASCAR's 75 greatest drivers, will lead its current stars to the green flag on Sunday, May 14th. Darlington Raceway announced that NASCAR Hall of Famer and 1999 NASCAR Cup Series champion Dale Jarrett will serve as the honorary pace car driver for the Goodyear 400. He's going to join an illustrious list of living legends who will be on hand for the culmination of the official throwback weekend in NASCAR and the pinnacle of NASCAR's 75th anniversary celebration. Now, a year before winning his NASCAR Cup Series championship, Jarrett was on the list already named one of NASCAR's 50th greatest drivers of all time. He was enshrined in the NASCAR Hall of Fame in 2014, following a 24-year career that included three Daytona 500 triumphs and two Brickyard 400 wins. Okay, so uh, looking forward to seeing uh, Dale Jarrett uh, there for the Cup Series race and driving that pace car. Now, Darlington Raceway, uh, the throwback parade is going to showcase NASCAR history. Uh, Our grand marshals are going to be Kurt Busch and Ricky Craven uh, will lead a cavalcade through downtown Darlington at 4.45 p.m. Eastern Time following the Xfinity Series Shriners Children's 200. 
The parade begins on Edwards Street and proceeds down Pearl Street before turning left onto the racetrack road and entering Gate 32 into the track's midway. Now, this annual parade features uh, the Lamar High School Marching Band, Historic Stock Cars, Beauty Queens, and the Goodyear Earth Roamer with NASCAR legend Dave Marcy's support. The Shriners Children Hospital representatives, a group of NASCAR's of NASCAR's 75 greatest drivers, including Dale Jarrett, Greg Biffle, and Ryan Newman, Ernie Irvin and the Lamonte brothers, Terry and Bobby, will ride on the route in the back of the Ford's F-150s. So they are really going all out for the 75th anniversary and uh, the throwback at camp at uh, Darlington. Well, and if you're if you're throwing back to Dave Marcus, that one's not necessarily about paint scheme. That would be the wingtip shoes. Somebody's got to have the wingtip shoes on to throw back to Dave Marcus. <laughs> now here, you couldn't ask for any better honorary starters for this Goodyear 400. Ricky Craven and Kurt Busch. 20 years after their side-by-side battle at Darlington Raceway, produce the closest finish in NASCAR Cup Series history. It's going to be Ricky Craven and Kurt Busch. They're teaming up to produce an exhilarating start to the Goodyear 400. Darlington Raceway announced that the legendary NASCAR drivers will serve as the Goodyear 400's honorary starters on May 14th. They will also serve as Grand Marshals for the annual Darlington Throwback Parade uh, we talked about on Saturday, May 13th adding yet another historic connection to the official throwback weekend here for NASCAR. And if you have not seen that finish, oh, man, you're missing out. (laughs) It was a barn burner. Yeah, that was a good one. Okay, now there's also three former winners at Darlington that are still without victories this season. Will Darlington be the track that they get their first win of the season? Uh, there's seven different NASCAR Cup Series drivers uh, that are active this weekend with wins at Darlington, and three of them are still looking for their first win of this season. Stuart Haas Racing's Kevin Harvick had three Cup Series victories at Darlington in 2014, May of 2020, and September of 2020, and he hopes to make it four this weekend. Harvick is currently uh, riding a winless streak that dates back to August 14th of 2022 at Richmond Raceway, 24 races ago. Now, this season, Harvick has announced this will be his final full-time season in the series, and in his 12 starts, he's put up three top fives, five top tens, and an average finish of 13.5. Harvick has made 30 series starts at Darlington, collecting two poles, three wins, and 13 top fives, along with 18 top tens. His average finish sits at 12.7. That's eighth best among active drivers, and he finished fourth in this event last year. Then there's Legacy Motor Club's Eric Jones, who won at Darlington Raceway in 2019, just his second career victory in the series, and then he did it again 
last September to become the most recent winner at the famous Darlington Raceway. Jones is right now wrestling a winless streak that dates back to his win at uh, Darlington on September 4th, uh, and that was 21 races ago. This season, Jones ranks 24th in the driver point standings. He's put up two top tens and 12 starts. This season, Jones is ranked 24th in the driver standings and uh, has put up two top tens and 12 starts. Did I just repeat that? <laughs> I must have uh, not caught the next line. Looking ahead to this weekend's Darlington Raceway is one of John's best tracks on the schedule. Uh, the Byron Michigan native has made 10 starts in the Lady in Black. Uh, he's got two wins there in 19 and 22, five top fives, seven top tens, and his average finish at the uh, track is 10.7, which is third best among active drivers. Now let's talk about RFK Racing's Bob Kaslowski. He has just a single victory at Darlington Raceway in 2018, but don't count him out this weekend. Kozlowski made the jump to invest in RFK Racing and became an owner-driver last season. And in his second year with the organization, the Michigan native has put up two top fives and five top tens in 12 starts this season. Kozlowski is straddling a winless streak that dates back to April 25th of 2021 at Talladega Super Speedway. That's 74 races ago. Keselowski has made 18 series starts at Darlington, putting up one pole, one win, five top fives, and nine top tens. His average finish at the track is a 12.1. So uh, some good fantasy picks in that group. Yeah, you'd have to think so uh, there. I know we got a, most of those filled in, but... Uh, more, more we're reading here for the previous show, the more I'm wondering about my pick. But we look at um, the regular season. We're coming up on the midway point, and these playoff spots are starting to disappear. The NASCAR Cup Series has reached its midway point of the regular season with the 13th race of the 2023 schedule, which will be the Goodyear 400 at Darlington. Sunday, May 14th. Now, at the halfway point of the regular season, we got Trackhouse Racing's Ross Jastain is the NASCAR Cup Series driver standings point leader, and nine other drivers have already won this season, bringing the total of playoff spots occupied to 10. That leaves just six spots available to make the postseason. The 10 drivers that currently earn their spot in the playoffs are Kyle Larson with two victories, William Byron also has two wins, and as does Kyle Busch. Then you got Christopher Bell, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., Tyler Reddick, Joey Logano, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. with one each. Ross Chastain is currently winless, but is the points leader, so uh, would get in even without the victory. Now, of the six drivers currently in playoff contention on points, Stuart Haas Racing's Kevin Harvick has the biggest points cushion at plus 98 between himself and the postseason cutoff line. Just behind Harvick in the playoff outlook is Team Penske's Ryan Blaney, plus 89 on that cut line. And then RFK Racing's Brad Keselowski, plus 75. Chris Busher is at plus 49. 
Trackhouse Racing's other driver, Daniel Suarez, currently ranked 15th in the playoff outlook, is just 22 points up on 2311's Bubba Wallace in 17th, which is the first spot outside the playoff cut line. Currently in that playoff hot seat, we got Stuart Haas Racing's Chase Briscoe. He's grasping a hold of the 16th and final playoff spot by a mere three points over Bubba Wallace in 17th and only seven over the Snoko Rookie of the Year candidate, Joe Gibbs Racing driver Ty Gibbs in 18th. So really crowded there. Then you also got Michael McDowell, Austin Sindrick, um, who are previous winners, by the way, Corey LaJoy, Todd Gillen, Eric Jones, Eric Almarola, A.J. Allmendinger, Justin Haley, Ryan Chase Elliott, Austin Dillon, Harrison Burton, and Noah Gregson, as well as Ty Dillon. Those are the drivers that are eligible, as you must compete in every race to be eligible or granted a waiver by NASCAR. Now, heading into this weekend at Darlington Raceway, of the 22 playoff eligible drivers that have not already earned a spot in the postseason this year, 13 of them have made the playoffs previously in their careers and seven of them in the playoffs last season. Kevin Harvick, Ryan Blaney, Daniel Suarez, Chase Briscoe, Austin Sindrick, Chase Elliott, and Austin Dillon all made the postseason in 2022. The other six drivers looking for the spot in the 2023 playoffs have made the postseason prior to last year are Brad Keselowski, Chris Buescher, Michael McDowell, Eric Jones, Eric Almarola, and A.J. Allmendinger. That just tells you, we talk about the track too tough to tame. That's some tough competition uh, for the playoffs. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, and there's one team that's getting hot along with summer uh, and for the summer stretch. With back-to-back wins for Joe Gibbs Racing at Dover and Kansas, uh, the organization is heating up as the NASCAR Cup Series prepares for the summer stretch of the 23 schedule. Virginia native Denny Hamlin is the most recent winner from the JGR camp to visit Victory Lane and secure a spot in not only the playoffs, but the NASCAR All-Star race that will take place next weekend at the historically famous North Wilkesboro Speedway. This is the 17th time that Hamlin has qualified for the Cup Series playoffs, the series most, and this season Hamlin has put up one win at Kansas, three top fives and five top tens in the 12 starts. He's currently ranked fourth in the driver's standings and sits 36 points behind Trackhouse Racing's Ross Chastain, who sits in the series lead. With Hamlin's win last weekend, three of the four Joe Gibbs Racing drivers have qualified for the postseason on wins. Christopher Bell won on Bristol Dirt, Martin Truex at Dover, leaving just Ty Gibbs, the lone man out in his rookie season. Ty Gibbs is currently ranked 18th in the driver's standings, just seven points back from Stuart Haas Racing's Chase Briscoe in 16th and the final playoff transfer spot. Looking to Darlington this weekend, don't expect JGR contingent to slow down any. Joe Gibbs Racing has the second most wins by an active organization at Darlington with 10 victories. Uh, They had a sweep last year. They also won in 20, 19, 17, 15, 13, 10, 08, and 2000. The most recent was when the organization swept those 21 seasons, swept the 21 seasons races 
with Martin Truex Jr. winning in May and Denny Hamlin taking the win in September of the same year. Denny Hamlin leads all active drivers in the Cup Series with wins at Darlington at four. He won in 21, 20, 17, and in 10. So Joe Gibbs Racing drivers at Darlington, let's take a look at them individually. Denny Hamlin in 21 starts has put up four wins, 12 top fives, and 16 top tens. His average finish is 7.4, and he's led 792 laps at the 1,300 or 1.3-mile track. Martin Truex Jr. in 21 starts has posted two wins, four top fives, and ten top tens. His average finish is at 12.3, and he's led 769 laps at Darlington. Christopher Bell in seven starts has put up one top five and two top tens. His average finish is 16.2, and he's led all, he's led 16 laps at the facility. Ty Gibbs made his series track debut just last year in September. He started 21st, and he finished in the 15th spot. So uh, watch out for Joe Gibbs Racing. Well, you always got to watch out for Joe Gibbs Racing, that's for sure. (laughs) Now, let's look at uh, NASCAR helping you celebrate Mother's Day this weekend. This weekend's Goodyear 400 at Darlington Raceway will be just the 10th time in NASCAR Cup Series history the series has competed on Mother's Day. The 2021 season was the first time time since 2007 that they've competed on Mother's Day, and it was Joe Gibbs Racing's Martin Truex who took the win on May 9, 2021, which is just the seventh different driver to win on Mother's Day in the season in the series. Last year, uh, Team Penske's Joey Logano joined in on the festivities as he grabbed his first win on the special holiday, becoming the eighth different driver to do so. Prior to the 2021 season, though, the most most recent winner on the Mother's Day in Cup Series was NASCAR Hall of Famer Jeff Gordon. That was in 2007 when it was a rain-delayed race at Darlington, uh, May 13th in 2007. The NASCAR Hall of Famer Buck Baker holds the record for wins on the special day with two victories on the holiday back in 1956 and 54. The other drivers that have done it, Cale Yarbrough, Benny Parsons, Bob Wellborn, Tim Flock uh, on the list there going back through the 50s and 70s. All right. Uh, next up we've got... Um the historic Darlington Raceway as a perfect stage for the throwback weekend. The industry and fans alike all agree that Darlington is the, is the perfect stage uh, for that throwback weekend. It's an egg-shaped, pave, egg-shaped paved oval at 1.366 of a mile. Known as Darlington Raceway, it's hosted 123 Cup Series races dating back to 1950. The raceway was originally built as a 1.25-mile-paved super speedway. That was in 1949-50. They hosted the first 500-mile race in NASCAR history and the first on asphalt on September 4th of 1950. 
A total of 75 cars competed in the inaugural event, and Curtis Turner won the pole at 82.034 miles per hour. The race was won by Johnny Mance in a Plymouth at 75.250 miles per hour, and it took six hours, 38 minutes, and 40 seconds to complete. Since then, Darlington Raceway has undergone some changes through the years. In 1953, the track was remeasured at 1.375 miles. Then in 1970, the track was reconfigured to 1.366 miles per hour on the track. Um, the following spring race of that season, the track was repaved in 1995, then again prior to the 2008 season. Over the years, the historic facility has become known amongst its competitors as the track too tough to tame. In total, 123 Cup Series races have produced 52 different pole winners and 52 different race winners. Six of the 52 uh, Cup Series Bushlight pole winners at Darlington Raceway are active this weekend. They include Joey Logano and Kevin Harvick with two, William Byron, Denny Hamlin, and Brad Keselowski all have one, along with Ryan Newman. NASCAR Hall of Famer David Pearson leads the Cup Series in polls at Darlington Raceway with 12, and Joy Logano has a 22 sweep. Kevin Harvick leads all active drivers in polls at Darlington with two each. Uh, again, Denny Hamlin has four, Kevin Harvick three, Eric Jones, Martin Truex, each have two, Joy Logano, Brad Keselowski, and Kyle Busch, all with one. NASCAR Hall of Famer leads the Cup Series in victories at Dover, at uh, Darlington, with ten wins, followed by Dale Earnhardt with nine, and Jeff Gordon with seven. Joe Gibbs Racing's Denny Hamlin leads all active drivers in victories at Darlington with four. So the Goodyear uh, 400 will be 293 laps uh, this Sunday, the Goodyear 400. An on-track activity for the Cup Series is set to start with practice and bushlight pole qualifying, and both events will be televised on Fox Sports 1 starting at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. And even still, with all that extra time, Jay, uh, we've run out of time, and it is time for us to head over for Hot Topic Sound Off and joining us for tonight's Hot Topics is Tommy Kraft. Welcome to the show, Tommy. Hey, how are y'all? It's been a while. Thanks for having me back. Well, we're always glad to have you back, Tommy. We're going to let you kick us off with the first Hot Topic here tonight. All right. Let's go with um, let's go with the Noah Gregson and Ross Chastain, how there's not going to be any penalties for that fight on pit road after the race. Okay. Jay, your thoughts about uh, no penalties for Noah Gregson and uh, and um, Ross Chastain. <laughs> well, I know Tommy wasn't here to actually get to talk about the throwdown itself, so I'll let him have a little more time to do that, but... I don't think any penalties were deserved. I think now, and I'll do this on the second round, though, the more discussion this week has been, and, and Harrison Burton kind of talked about it when he was asked, whether or not NASCAR, they should separate them. Let them have at it. 
um, between the two of them, which it was. There weren't any crew members around. Um, I think that's an interesting point. Harrison Burton had kind of both sides to it, um, understood it. I will say this. I, I'm kind of with Harrison Burton on that of Ross got his punch in, but then security stepped in and had hold of uh, Gregson's arm before he could return it. So uh, I didn't particularly like that. Uh, so if you're going to let him go at it, uh, I kind of lean towards that of, yeah, um, if it's just one-on-one, let him go at it. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, Harrison mentioned some some safety things that I hadn't thought about for sure of they just got out of the cars, possibly out of a wreck, especially if it involved a, a wreck, that if they haven't been to the infield care center, don't sure how they're really feeling yet, they're still running off pure adrenaline, maybe NASCAR does need to step in. So that's a tough one. But I think they made the right call overall and no penalties being issued. It was on pit road after the fact, one-on-one essentially, um, so yeah, I didn't see the need for any, any penalties for sure. Okay. I, I tend to agree. I think that they made the right call here. No penalties. Uh, as far as the, uh, uh, officials stepping in, uh, I, I agree with Harrison Burton as well. There's a lot of unknowns there. You don't know. The driver has not made it to the, um, medical center yet. So you don't know what condition that driver is in. Uh, So I I think they made the right call there as well with stopping the race. I know a lot of people want to see, you know, Noah Gregson get get his chance to throw back, Uh, and I get that. I understand it, and I I can see where fans want to see that happen. But uh, honestly, I think that they – they do need to step in for the safety of the drivers uh, and and keep it on the uh, up and up, if you will, as far as um, uh, keeping those drivers safe. So, Tommy, uh, you, you get extended time here because you haven't been able to talk about the uh, fight itself yet. So, yeah, Kansas was a great race on Sunday, and... I guess the fight on pit road was just icing on top. But um, what I have to agree with here is, um, or from what I saw on Twitter and after the race and stuff, um, Noah Gregson, Gregson, he is not um, scared to throw some punches. Um, He had the fight with Harrison Burton, then he had the fight with um, Daniel Hemrick in Atlanta, and now he's you know, throwing hands with um, Ross Chastain. And um, I'll give Noah credit on what he said after the race. He was like, everybody's been talking about how they need to put Ross in his place and all this other stuff, but nobody's done anything. I mean, he walked right up there to him and grabbed him. But, I mean, the thing is, is Ross Chastain is the one that landed the punch and Noah didn't get the lamb one. So, I mean... Everybody's like, we're going to teach Ross a lesson, and it seems like Ross wins all the time. But, um, (laughs) you know, I also have to say that, you know, Noah was mad after the race and said Ross Chastain ran him up high. And, I mean, if you watch the replay, I mean, there could have been another car that could fit in between Ross and Noah. So, you know, I I don't know. But, anyway, I mean, 
Ross got him good. He landed a solid punch. I mean, you could hear it on the replay. And, you know, Noah didn't even get get a chance. But Noah had one cocked back. So, if he would have hit Ross Chastain, it probably would have uh, – might would have been a little Austin Hill, Myatt Snyder situation. Um, but <laughs> you also, did y'all see like the screenshot of Ross's face after he punched Noah and then Noah cocked back, but the, um, the security guard had him, but there was like a little picture of like Ross's face, like, Oh crap. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, uh, that was a very entertaining race and the fight just, you know, made it all better, and hey, I get, like, the safety thing and the sponsor thing, but I, I kind of wish NASCAR would adopt, like, the hockey rule, like, let them at least throw, at least let one guy throw a punch and let the other one retaliate before the crew members and safety and everybody gets involved and, you know, like, Gordon and Kozlowski at Texas, where it was just like a mall between all the pit crew guys, I mean, it is entertaining, and it adds a little bit extra to the racing. And um, according to what I saw a couple of days ago on Twitter, or maybe it was today or yesterday, but Ross and Noah have already moved on and are laughing about it. But, you know, it, you know, it was just, just entertaining as always. Okay, Jay, your follow-up? Yeah, there's the thing, and it's really funny. A NASCAR race hub did a where they normally have the, and I can't think of what they call it now, breaking it down, where they break down a race and pause it and go frame by frame. They did that with this fight. And I will tell you this, Ross was expecting it. When Gregson put his left hand on him and grabbed his driver's suit, uh, Ross, he put his left hand on Noah's right arm. Um, so, you know, he was expecting that to come. Now, the thing is, is I don't think Ross really wanted that as we've heard it. You've heard him say, stop, don't do this. Yeah, I think it got to the point where he felt it was going to happen, and like we saw, you get the first one in, you're guaranteed to get one in. The other side might not. So he made sure he got that first one. Um, NASCAR's in a tough role. I uh, understand, and you know, having learned what the hockey rule is, at least now, I don't know when it made the change of, if both participants take their gloves off and throw down, they're agreeing to fight, and the referees don't step in until one or the other goes down and there's a clear advantage. Um, I don't know if I want to see that. It's, I don't know that you can necessarily do call it that way, but I do kind of feel like Gregson should have at least had the opportunity to return one, you know, let it be fair, um, which I don't think it was um, in that aspect. But I wanted to add this. I it was on Dave Moody and I'm Mike, I'm sorry you're not here, buddy. I heard the ultimate conspiracy theory. <coughs> Excuse me. Lady called in. She said that Ross and Noah set this up during the week when they were working out together. It helped Ross establish that he wasn't going to take nothing if anybody approached him. And it gave Noah Gregson the opportunity to get some headlines and be the hero of the garage that this was all a setup from the get go. Uh, I almost had to pull off the road. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope it wasn't a setup uh, because that gives it a WWE uh, uh, entertainment kind of value to it. Um, <clears throat> these guys, I think Noah 
you know, looking at the uh, uh, video footage of it, uh, I have to agree with Tommy, and we've talked about this the other night. There was so much room. Ross actually didn't even touch him, and Noah Gregson just lost his car, uh, which was probably on the loose side as it was. So <clears throat> I, I know that in the heat of the moment, he didn't uh, see the replay yet, but he felt that Ross was responsible for him being out of control of his car, and so he went to pit road for that revenge. Uh, but I think if he sat down and saw that replay, he probably did laugh a little bit about it because there was really no reason for him to approach uh, Ross Chastain the way that he did. <clears throat> so I know uh, Andy brought up that you got to wonder uh, if it isn't just a, a Noah Gregson tension um, and, you know, kind of keep himself relevant since he's he actually finished 29th in that particular race while Ross Chastain was up in the top five. So I, it's almost as if I'm not getting any attention, so let's, uh, let's uh, stir some up. But I hope that's not the case, but uh, I don't know. That lady... Uh, gave a pretty good conspiracy theory as well. But, again, I don't think that this was a setup in any way. Tommy? Yeah, I hope it wasn't fake, but I had seen rumors about that, too, because if you kind of watch the, the angle where you could hear Ross Chastain's punch land, actually, it starts out with them on pit road and like Noah waits like a split second and then the camera gets immediately behind him and then he walks right up to Ross. But, you know, maybe he could have been waiting for Ross to get out of the car. So, I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, I can see where people think that it's fake. And especially if you watch the, like you said, like the replay, I mean, like, like I said, you could have fit another car in between Ross and Noah. And, um, yeah, I can agree with you on maybe Noah's wanting attention because he's not not doing good this year, um, you know, versus how he was dominating in Xfinity last year, and he's a rookie in Cup. But, I mean, I like both drivers. I mean, I don't understand all the Ross Chastain getting blamed for everything. I mean, he's a, an aggressive racer. I'll never understand how – Earnhardt could wreck people like Terry Labonte and, 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 you know, intimidate people, rattle, rattle their cage. But yet when Chastain and Kyle Busch or somebody does it, uh, you know, he's driving like a, you know, like a turd or whatever. And, like, people just don't like it. I just don't – I don't understand. Now, Joey's an aggressive driver too, and when he's aggressive, I don't like it. But that's because I don't like him. So, um, <laughs> you know, I guess it's just – Fans like who they like and like who they don't like. But I really don't get the Ross Chastain hate and all the blaming. I mean, I literally sent Jay what I was talking about, about how he was blamed for the JFK assassination. I mean, it was just, <laughs> it's crazy. It's just crazy. I mean, I, all he has to do is be in the, the vicinity of something going wrong. And, yep, Ross's fault. And I don't, I don't get that. I'm ready for him to win another race and smash another watermelon maybe even throw a punch. And then I even like Noah, too, because, you know, he, he's kind of got a personality to him, and, and he's not scared to throw punches after the race if you tick him off. So, I mean, 
he's got like the entertainment value and yeah, you know, he's just he's one of the uh they used to do the um Gillette Young guns. Well, he's part of the of the new wave of those guys. I don't know what they're called now, but I feel like he's gonna be one of the future stars because of his personality and yeah, he's had a bad year this year, but I think they're just having a down year altogether at Legacy Motor Club, so don't really think it's his fault, but I'm sure he'll take the attention either way with the fight, though. Okay. Uh, Jay, what's our next hot topic? Uh-oh. Jay, are you there? Or do you have mute on? Well, I do have mute on. Let me restart because I've been talking for a couple minutes. <laughs> Take oh, okay. a breath and start again. <laughs> uh, first, uh, I want to say I love having Tommy on. He just he's like, well, I don't know if I like this. Yeah, you wonder what? I just don't like that driver. <laughs> he just doesn't doesn't hold any punches. <laughs> nope. Love it, Tommy. Um, talking about the uh, FS1, they aired the five-part dirt documentary. I know we've mentioned it a couple of times, but we really hadn't gotten to discuss it uh, here on the group, and I was looking to see if Mike had any replies to it, which he doesn't. But um, I'm looking forward to it. I know that. I'll wait my turn, though. <laughs> oh, okay. Tommy, your thought about that uh, documentary series that's coming up? <clears throat> uh, I haven't really seen much about that. Um you know, it seems pretty cool, uh, the the Dirt documentary. And I know that, you know, basically NASCAR first started out on Dirt and all that good stuff. But, um, yeah, I really haven't seen anything about that yet. Um, so I, I really don't have too much to say about it. Maybe I'll catch it, but most likely I won't. But um, about whole, the only Dirt I watch is when they go to Bristol every year. And, um I know that they do the Chili Bowl and um, some other some other dirt races that are huge every year, but I've, I'm more of a um, asphalt and concrete guy, but maybe I'll go check it out. Oh, okay. Well, you can check it out on Tuesday, May 16th at 7 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Uh, and uh, Flow Sports Studios follows NASCAR Cup Series champion Kyle Larson as he trades pavement for the dirt track to compete against a myriad of dirt racing loyalty, including the 2022 USAC Silver Crown champion Justin Grant, the 19, uh, 2019 USAC National Midget champion Tyler Courtney, and the 19-time USAC National Series winner Thomas Timez Meserol in one of the most dangerous and exhilarating forms of motorsports. And they're, they're hailing it as uh, the last great American sport, uh, dirt. So it really is going to be uh, kind of a really interesting documentary, uh, and I think you couldn't ask for a better person uh, to be a part of that than uh, Kyle Larson. He is a dirt racer, and if you know Kyle Larson, you know that if he could race every single day of the week, he will, and he doesn't care if it's dirt or asphalt or what it is. If he gets a chance to get behind the wheel of the car, he's there. 
So I think this is going to be a really good uh, documentary, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, the, it's a five-part series chronicles, so uh, I guess we get the first part this week, and uh, we'll see if it's every week that it comes out with a new. I'll look that up and give it to you on the next go-around. Uh, Jay, what are your thoughts? I believe it's five in a row, but uh, while you're confirming that, I'll, I'll let you know. Like I said, I'm super excited about this. Um, I understand Tommy's position there, and actually that I think is a good thing if you're able to check it out because I was the other way. I grew up as a dirt track fan, and I don't know that I ever had the attitude I didn't want to watch or didn't think asphalt racing was as good, but it certainly wasn't my thing. And it wasn't until some of the drivers that I knew had watched from dirt started going to um, cup level or up into the asphalt ranks. And we've talked about the history of the ASA. Went to a couple of the American Speed Association races where I saw guys like Ken Trader, Jimmy Spencer, Mark Martin, Daryl Waltrip, Rusty Wallace run these asphalt races um, and getting to, and growing into that. Am I still a dirt track person? More so, yes. But I think it's going to give a huge understanding when we talk about why these guys are so driven what they go through. Um, so I think it'll bridge that gap. And then the understanding of the differences between the two, it's not just the same on dirt or whatever. So I think it's going to be extremely beneficial. Uh, and when it comes to as far as the sprint cars or the midgets, that's not even my favorite type of dirt, but I'm still excited for it. And I say with, with Kyle Larson and some of the other competitors, names we've seen or heard on one-off starts, you'll see why they get that opportunity because of the talent they show. And I just, I really think it, it, it'll be beneficial to, like I said, I've bridged the gap, if you will, um, whereas I came from the other side. I came from dirt to asphalt. Yeah, they do this in a really great way with the um, uh, documentary and with all the different people that they have involved. And um, <clears throat> they talk about it again I love that they're tagging it as the last great American sport uh, because America uh, is usually uh, taking all everything from everywhere else. Uh, this is something that started right here in America and is still happening at racetracks across this country every single weekend. So I, I think it's going to be a great documentary, and I can't wait to watch it. Jay? Uh, actually, Tommy, I skipped you. Go ahead and say your thoughts on your follow-up. Um, so I do know that there – I heard you say something about Kyle Larson is going to be in it. So I do know that there are some Cup Series guys that have came from dirt, like Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, Ricky Stenhouse. And I'd always heard that Ken, Ken Schrader, like, dominated on dirt before he ever got the Cup. So, I mean – you know, that, that'll that be cool, and it's a good thing that they're showing the history of it, too, because that's always always helpful for people to understand is to give them the history and the background. And, um, you know, like I said, maybe I'll catch it, but to me, I just started out on NASCAR from, I don't know, I would, yeah, I've probably been watching it since I was born in 95, but I don't really remember it till probably about the 2001 season and up, so... I've always watched NASCAR. I've never really got into the dirt, but that's just me. Uh, you know, I've seen Eldora and Bristol dirt, but that's that's about it. 
I do know that there's World of Outlaws and like Casey Kane's now doing that because he's not doing Cup anymore. But just never really watched it. But maybe I'll catch the documentary so that way I can um, learn a little bit more about it. Okay, uh, Jay. Since I went out of turn, you're up next <laughs> for the final word. Well, and Tommy hit on it there. I mean, you look back, just think about the Alabama game. Red Farmer still running on dirt uh, there at Talladega, the Talladega short track, the Hornets' nest. So that is one of those. And the other point I wanted to make was Sharon kind of hit on it. When you talk about being able to get to go to a NASCAR race, start at the top level, uh, depending on where you're located, that takes a weekend. That takes uh, some bigger money saved up and planned a weekend. I just think right around me, I'm very fortunate, if you will, within 15 minutes could go to two different dirt tracks. You want to say three hours, I could probably go to 30 different tracks. Uh, you know, it used to be there was a small dirt track, local dirt track, and that's where it's your buddies racing, you know, or your uncle or whoever, I think. And that's where it starts most of the time. Um, so I think that's the cool thing when you talk about that is that is something that is more accessible um, when and it's not quite as expensive depending on how, how involved you're in it, I'll put it that way. Um, but that it's, it's more accessible for fans and that's where you get to know the drivers that as they, if they choose to go that direction. Um, talk about Ricky Stenhouse Jr., your Daytona 500 winner this year is from Ranch, Mississippi, which is just under two hours north of here. Austin Dillon and Ty Dillon have run on the dirt tracks in this area. The Wallaces have been down here. So uh, Tony Stewart with his sprint car series, uh, actually the first race I got to call, Tony Stewart was here with his uh, sprint car series. So that's where, and especially when these top drivers like Kyle Larson is doing now, fans that may not be able to go to a NASCAR race can still get to meet and know these, these drivers, which then builds that interest into the NASCAR where they watch it on TV if they can't necessarily go to these races, but invest in the drivers. And I mentioned Tony Stewart. I can't tell you how long uh, Wallace's too, when they were here, how long they stayed here in the local area after the races to do autographs and talk with fans. That's what builds that level to where they then follow them at the NASCAR level. Wow, you you brought up some really good points there, Jay. Um, Tommy, you get to pick the next hot topic, but before you do that, I'm going to go ahead and do the announcement that we do at this time of the night, and it's particularly for those people that are tuning in for the first time. Uh, We do go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, but you'll hear us going off the air while we're still conversing with one another. So... Just so you know, even though we're off the air, we are recording the rest of that conversation, and it is part of our bonus overtime material that's available on our podcast. I'll go out on Twitter as well as Facebook to let you know that the podcast is available, and at that point, you can go to the player that we have at fanforacing.com and just fast forward uh, to the whatever segment you want to hear. Uh, to the two-hour mark if you've listened up to this point. Uh, And then you can hear the rest of that conversation. So no surprises. uh, Nobody's caught off guard, and everybody knows what to do to hear the rest of the conversation. So, uh, Tommy, what's our next hot topic? 
Let's go with the mayor of uh, Chicago talking about the Chicago street race course that's coming up. Okay. Jay, did you get a chance to look into that? I did, and uh, I think it was you, Sharon, or it might have been Mike. I know there was a little bit of discussion about that with a new incoming mayor. There was some concern about it. Um, I like the fact that he's saying, hey, we're going to make it. It's going to happen this year. We're not taking it away. But he does express some concerns, which I think we all have, based on the results of moving forward. And he wasn't saying it won't happen again, but maybe we need to alter how we do it instead of directly downtown, maybe more a little on the outskirts um, where it isn't as uh, affecting of the city itself. So I like the fact that he's open to it, um, you know, and he's already obviously been thinking about it. But I know there was some concerns with that, with it him not being the one that was behind it and approved it of coming in and then pulling the plug, which we're not seeing. So take that for the positive. Obviously we got to see how this race plays out. NASCAR may say, Hey, this didn't work. We're not doing it again. Don't know. Uh, That's one of those things of it's the first time it's been done by NASCAR. So let it happen. See how it develops. I think overall, at least in the preparation stages so far, We've seen some good things come from it, as Mike, Mr. Positivity, pointed out, getting some potholes filled within the city of Chicago. So um, it's kind of like the Coliseum and the the Bristol dirt race. And, yeah, those were needed a couple of years. Maybe the Coliseum not as much, but Bristol a couple of years to develop and improvements made where it gets better and better each year. Uh, I really believe that may be the case with this. I don't know. Because um, it is so outside the box, and you got to give NASCAR props for that. Definitely so. I know a lot of people have been apprehensive about the Chicago Street Race. I'm one of those people. I think it has the potential <clears throat> to be really great for Chicago, uh, but I think that I, I just wish they would have tried it somewhere else before they came to Chicago. Uh, I know a lot of the uh, city council and uh, politicians in town feel that they did not get a chance to vet uh, NASCAR before agreeing to all of this. And so uh, it's going to be, I guess, determined after the first year if uh, they will allow NASCAR to uh, out of their agreement or if they're going to put them in a different location. Uh, I did see earlier today on Twitter there's a Safe Chicagoland Speedway uh, thing going around, and I think a lot of people are saying forget the street race, go to Chicagoland Speedway where we saw some really great racing. Uh, and I tend to agree with that as well. I think there are so many things uh, that have the potential for disaster uh, in this Chicago street race. And I think that this editorial guy kind of hit, hit some of those notes uh, with the aggravation of the people in the area that have to be rerouted around uh, the closed streets. You've got the, the museum shutting down and uh, limiting their hours. And, um, uh, you know, they, they're losing business on the one side, but they're gaining, I guess, some on uh, the NASCAR side with the cost of doing business. But um, that and that doesn't include the revenue they're going to get from all the different fans that are coming into the city to eat at their establishments and everything else. Uh, people are going to make money with this, but 
Um, again, I think it's going to be difficult to really watch it uh, as it unfolds uh, for the entirety. You're going to have large parts that are not visible. And um, the best way to watch it, I think, is going to be in front of the TV set at home. But um, I thought it was a good article. Uh, expressing some of the frustrations that they're running into uh, with the Chicago street race and and looking for what can be done to kind of minimize it. Uh, Tommy, your thoughts? Well, from what I've seen on Twitter throughout, basically since they announced it last year, is just from what I've seen from the outside looking in, it never really even looked like Chicago or the mayor of Chicago never even wanted to host the race there. So I'm really thinking next year, if they're going to do a street course race, that's not going to be at Chicago, that they'll probably be looking elsewhere to do it. I am excited to see NASCAR do their first street course race. I think it's going to be really interesting and I I hope that it's a success, but you know, I know the mayor is saying that they're going to see how it works out, and maybe next year they'll, if it's a success and it makes Chicago a lot of money, they'll, you know, reconsider doing it again, but maybe doing it differently in a different area or something. But, uh, I mean, like I said, from the outside looking in, like ever since they've pretty much announced the race, it's been like almost, it seems almost as like if the mayor never wanted it to happen there to begin with. Um, but, you know, I'm still excited to see it. I mean, NASCAR has never done this before. You know, F1 does it all the time. And, you know, I think it'll be a nice change up, but, you know, we'll definitely have to see how it works because, you know, NASCAR usually has road courses or they're, you know, doing their oval tracks and their short tracks, super speedway. So this is going to be completely different. Um, you know, I hope it's a success, and because you know Chicago used to have Chicago Land, and they don't race there anymore, and now they're going to try this. But like I said, it seems like Chicago doesn't really want to do it. So, where would that next Midwest race be besides Kansas Worldwide Technology? And you know, they they did run Road America like two years ago personally thought that was a great race and I wish they'd go back, but they haven't put it on the schedule since they ran it that one time. So I think they need to look in that area again, even if it means racing at Chicago land again, they need to have another race in that area. Um, like in, I don't know how to describe it, but like in, in my opinion, like when NASCAR does these races, I feel like they should do it in waves, like they do kind of like how they race at Daytona to start a season, and then they immediately go to a Midwest, uh, a mid, I mean, a mid, they go to a West swing and do Phoenix, Vegas, and um, Auto Club. I think that's what they, they kind of need to do, like, you know, do Daytona, then do a West swing, and then do some tracks back near Charlotte you know, home and then go and do a Midwest swing and then come back and do some more little races and then do the up north races like New Hampshire, Watkins Glen, Dover. Yeah, just thinking outside the box. But um, I really hope the Chicago Street Course race is a success. But from what I've seen on Twitter 
over the past couple months. It's not even like it's almost like they haven't even given it a chance yet. Like they they haven't even raced yet, and there it's like it's not even getting a fair chance. And I feel like it's something to be excited for because it's never been done before. Okay, Jay, your follow up. Wow, there's so much here. As, as I was thinking, first off, one of the things of the, a lot of times, and I, I don't want to label it or be all inclusive, but a lot of times the resistance comes from, we'll say, the average person, whether they're a NASCAR race fan or not. It impacts them, but they don't see the benefit. And I think about the struggles they're going through right now with the uh, Nashville Fairgrounds issue as well. Um, talk about Chicago area. The average person isn't going to see that benefit, but if they open their mind to it, it benefits the city. And I don't care what sport it is. Obviously, in this case, it's a lot more impactful on being that it's a a road course. But if the Super Bowl or WrestleMania or anything comes to your town, it benefits the city uh, with the economy impact you mentioned. Okay. Now, if you're not a restaurant owner or whatever, you're not going to see that, so you don't understand that. But as that does, and in preparation in this case, as Mike pointed out, there is money being invested into the roads, into the community. So there is an overall impact that you may just not see uh, as the average person, but it's there. It goes back into the economy of the city or area. So I, I just don't think a lot of people open their minds up to that. Is it going to be a hassle with anything uh, to achieve something good or get something great? There, there's costs that come with it, and this is that cost. Yes, they got to prepare the roads now. Yes, during race day and that weekend of those time periods, there's going to be roads blocked off. Um, I'm with you, Sharon, of going to the race, and I used to think that about road courses in general, and I got so many things now because Tommy got me off on another thought, but I went to Road America. Can you see the entire track, the entire race at one time? No, you cannot. However, at a road course like Road America, pick a spot. We could see about three different parts of the track. Got up after 10 laps, walked around, moved to another spot. You saw some different angles. You could be right up close to the track as they went by um, or whatever. I don't know that you have that when it comes to a street course. I know we've talked about that, of if the fans are going where they're going to sit and what they're going to be able to see, yeah, that's definitely a thing. So I don't know how they're trying to balance that. That would be my one drawback to it. But I'm still, I don't know if excited is the word, anticipating anyway and see what they can build from it. And from that, look at what they can do better. I mean, and I say that with the Bristol dirt track. That first year was rough. I was excited about it. It's a dirt race. It's on Bristol. It did not go particularly well. They, we've seen it, though. They've improved upon it. They brought in better dirt track uh, experts to work on it. They ran it at night. So this is one of those that may take a couple times of doing it to defi- re- redefine a couple of things to make it better. So we'll see how it goes. Just I guess my thing would be don't go with a closed mind. And I'm one, you know, Sharon, you said it yourself, a little apprehensive about it, not sure how it's going to work out. But I'm not rejecting it either because I have full faith that NASCAR will do what they can to make it better and happen. So got to go with that. Yeah, because it certainly does have the potential. We've got to keep in mind why NASCAR is doing this. They want to draw in uh, new fans. 
And uh, I'll tell you what, it makes a difference when you go to the racetrack and you see these guys race. Uh, it's a whole different uh, perspective of what they're doing. TV doesn't do it justice. So to give these guys a chance to see a race up close and personal, uh, I think it's a really good idea. Uh, and I want it to be successful. I just have concerns about whether or not it is going to be that as, as successful as NASCAR needs it to be. Um, I like the racing on Chicagoland Speedway, and uh, I'm I'm going to be part of that group that's a safe Chicagoland Speedway uh, because I think that that is a good alternative. Uh, but NASCAR has said they're going to learn from the experience. Uh, they're reaching out and doing new things uh, and touching new customers or new potential fans, and uh, that's what this is all about. And and so keeping that in mind, um, uh, I still think your best view is going to be at home and uh, watching it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but uh, we'll see what happens. I'm sure there will be big screens uh, put up so that fans can see what's happening throughout the race. But um, uh, it I holds the potential to be something really, really great. Uh, but I'm not convinced yet until I see it happen. So, Tommy, your thoughts? Yeah, I, um, I'm just excited to see. I can kind of, kind of agree with, like, what Jay was saying then. Like, they hyped up Bristol, and, like, the first race at Bristol was kind of – you know, eh, it was a more. It was more like a, a dust bowl because that's all I remember seeing on TV was dust everywhere. But this past two Bristol races on dirt, I think, has been really good. Um, especially this most last one, I thought it was the best dirt race they did yet. And of course, NASCAR's talking about whether or not if they're going to do it again or not. So, because I don't think it's been announced yet, they're going to come back. But Either way, this is still an experiment, and I think it is a cool experiment to do like F1 because, you know, F1 races, you know, they do these city races and street courses, and, yeah, I guess we'll we'll see how it turns out. Um, I just – the thing that bothered me the most was it was announced, and then immediately the past, like, the – previous mayor and now the new mayor of Chicago were both talking like, you know, they didn't really want it to be at Chicago. Um, so, I mean, you're not even giving it a fair chance. I mean, that's just, just me. But, you know, Chicagoland is still an option, and they haven't been there in like three or four years now. You know, I mean, they brought North Wilkesboro back, so... Maybe they could bring Chicagoland back if this doesn't work out. But another good city that I think if Chicago street course doesn't work out, I think they should consider doing the street race in Nashville, uh, Tennessee. Um, Now, I know they've been going to the uh, Nashville Super Speedway or whatever, but, well, ideally what I would like for them to do is race at – um, the fairgrounds and bring that back and add another short track and it's in downtown Nashville and it's the track that NASCAR used to race at but you know I think Nashville is one of the um, like premier cities that a lot of the NASCAR fans you know 
And there's a lot of NASCAR fans in Nashville, so why not do the street race there? Charlotte, but, you know, you know, Charlotte is the biggest city in North Carolina, but compared to, like, Chicago and New York City and Nashville, um, there's a lot more people in those cities. And I think New York City would be another cool one that they should consider. Or, you know, Vegas, Miami. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities, big cities that they could go to. And talking about the views, I mean, I think it would be pretty cool to be in a skyscraper in downtown Chicago and looking out and seeing the NASCARs on the track. But that's just me. Um, I don't I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm still excited to watch it, and I'm hoping that it's not a flop like the first Bristol race was. But, um, you know, if it doesn't go well, they can just chunk the idea, or they can try harder next year, and maybe it'll be a better product. Yep, time always has a way of telling the rest of that story. So, uh, Jay, do you have another topic you want to talk about? I wasn't seeing any others on the board, so I don't know that I had any additional ones that weren't up. Tommy, did Looking you have through, any additional ones you wanted to talk yeah, about? I don't see any. Um, it's throwback weekend at Darlington. I don't have a link or anything to post, but what y'all think of the paint schemes this year? <laughs> I think they're pretty good. How about you, Jay? Yeah, hey, you know, Sharon and I are both on the show when we talk about it as we get ready uh, over a couple of weeks heading into it. Um, whoever came with this idea, and I don't know if it was originally planned for a one-time thing just because, um, but it has certainly grown into an entire, not only weekend, it, it's been a couple of weeks as teams get prepared for it. I think they're probably already thinking about next year's. I mean, it has just become such a huge thing, and I think they do an I don't even know which words to uh, adjectives to use. Amazing, outstanding, the things they put into it to make it happen. You know, partners that that got to agree to it with sponsors because some of them are throwing from Toyota to Chevy. They put all that aside. Um, you know, we we see the one this year for a rally car. We've seen some that go back to modified days. Um, I I think it's just an absolutely outstanding and amazing thing they've done and continued to build on, and, you know, I think that first year it was like only X number of drivers that, or teams that participated. Now it's, you know, it don't matter who it is, they're participating in some way, shape, or form. Uh, it's just been tremendous. And as I was saying earlier, Sharon, when you were reading through some of the ones, the history you learned with it uh, of why they're throwing back and who they're throwing back to and why and the connection, I think the history that goes with it is just as valuable. Absolutely. I think uh, especially when NASCAR is celebrating their 75th anniversary, uh, <clears throat> I think it's especially uh, special to be doing a throwback weekend for Mother's Day. Um, and I, uh, I I, definitely, it's one of those races that you look forward to every year just to see all the different special paint schemes. But <clears throat> this year it just seems to be extra special uh, with what people are doing for those paint schemes. And it seems like more and more people are getting involved with it every year. And uh, I, I think that, that NASCAR really grabbed onto a great idea with the Darlington uh, throwback schemes. 
So um, the drivers are into it. The fans are into it. Uh, I don't see any reason why they should uh, not do it. And you're right. Some of those special paint schemes are going to go back uh, to years gone by. And uh, it will create a little bit of history uh, for NASCAR fans about this sport. And 75 years uh, is a long time uh, for NASCAR, and uh, they've got a lot to celebrate for each of those 75 years. So I think it's all great. Uh, Jay, what are your thoughts? Did we talk to Tommy? No, it's it's on Tommy. Okay, Tommy, your thoughts. Um, so I'll say my favorite that I've seen so far. Of course, I'm biased because I like Hendrick, but I like the uh, 24 car because you know they when they did 50 years, it was the Jeff Gordon 50 year and a NASCAR's 50th anniversary. Now Byron's going to throw back to the 50th anniversary, but do 75 years. But it's basically the same Jeff Gordon scheme, so I like that one, and I like Chase Elliott um, throw back to his dad, Bill Elliott, when he was in the nine Dodge car. Um, uh, my dad used to work at a, at a Dodge dealership, so the nine car for Bill Elliott and Casey Kane and Jeremy Mayfield, back when they sponsored it, I always liked those paint schemes when my dad worked at a Dodge dealership. So, um and my other favorites, I saw two Dale Jarrett throwbacks, one in the truck series and one in, I think, Chastain throwing back to them. And I really like that one. And then I saw about three people that are going to be doing Kevin Harvick paint schemes. They were mostly from the Bush series, but pretty cool because, you know, he's retiring and they've got about three cars out there that are going to be throwbacks to him. And I think one was the two AC Delco car. And then I think I saw two of his payday paint schemes. So I thought that was really cool. And um, uh, there was another one. Oh, I think Noah's throwing it back to Jimmy Johnson, like a Coca-Cola 600 paint scheme, like American flag paint scheme win that he had. So I thought, thought that one was pretty cool. Um, yeah, there's always so many good ones um, every year. But, I, you know, I have a lot that I wish that I could, like, submit a request to them for paint schemes that I haven't seen yet that need to be uh, ran. Like, Dale Earnhardt's, <laughs> like Dale Earnhardt's 2000 um, All-Star Race paint scheme, that multicolored one. I don't know why, but for some reason I love that paint scheme, and I wish somebody would do it. I've never seen anybody run the Scott Riggs Nesquik um, 10 car, if y'all remember that. Um, love. I would love to see that one out there again. Um, I, the Hooters paint schemes are always good when they throw back to like Alan Kowicki. Um, that would be a cool one to do. Um, for Jay, the nine Mopar that Casey Kane used to do with the barbed wire. Love to see that again. So I mean, there's just so many. Like I said, I wish I could just submit a request. And also to go, go back earlier to what I said about Joey. I still haven't gotten over last year when he wrecked Byron at Darlington to win it, and Byron was driving the Jeff Gordon Flames throwback. So I'm still salty about that. Okay. Um, 
Jay, did you have a follow-up? <laughs> well, I can't say I necessarily did, but I feel like maybe Mike was represented a little bit there of still holding on to the grudge there, Tommy. But, uh, yeah, with the throwback thing, uh, you were trying to go through some favorites. I, I, don't, I wouldn't even know where to begin because there are so many um, that would be – I think about as far as a Mountain Dew fan. I know Chase Elliott has, has the Mountain Dew sponsorship, but throw back to Daryl Waltrip's uh, number 11 in the Mountain Dew scheme. The original uh, Mountain Dew scheme would be a good one to, to come back. But, you know, we got years to go with it because I don't see this going away. You mentioned the, the several Kevin Harvick ones, obviously this year with this thing as final year um, when they were doing some previous winners um, at Darlington, uh, Brad Keselowski in the, in the Miller, Miller genuine draft uh, back to Rusty Wallace. So, yeah, it, it, that's what I, – I don't even want to try and pick a favorite. Just I appreciate all of them because there are so many great ones. Um, whether they run good on the track or get run into the wall, that's another, another story, right, Tommy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh... – it's it, Darlington is uh, a perfect race track for them to do that. Uh, they come to it with the cars all shiny and new and sparkling, if you will, and then they get on that track, and uh, a lot of things can happen. So it doesn't always go home as nice as it came. Uh, but uh, it's always a fun race to watch, and um, uh, I think it's a great celebration of NASCAR's 75th anniversary. So I don't have a whole lot to add. So, Tommy, uh, was there anything more from you? Yeah, one last paint scheme that I haven't seen yet that I kind of wish they would do. Uh, A Terry Labonte, Kellogg's, or Frosty Flakes uh, paint scheme. Haven't seen one of those yet. Maybe next year they can get the five car to do a throwback. That would be a good one, Tommy. All right, uh, let's go ahead and do our roundtable now, um, and Tommy, we'll start with you first. Uh, at Since95 Fan on Twitter, uh, give me a follow. Um, I've been pretty busy, so I haven't been able to post my cars lately, but maybe I'll start back doing that. Oh, okay. Jay? Well, you can follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And I was just thinking about that, Tommy. I, I said a lot of days when I'd see your dates up there, that it was a throwback because some of the the cars, the diecast cars you got up there would remind me of different things. Um, so that's always cool to see. So, yeah, I hope you do get back, have the opportunity to get back to doing that. Um, as far as this weekend, right now I will say I'm scheduled to go to your Capital City Raceway, Jackson Motor Speedway weather permitting, which goes to the same thing if I end up staying at home. Magnolia Motor Speedway is supposed to have the 20th Annual Governor's Cup with the Hunt the Front Super Dirt Series here. Uh, I know practice got rained out for tonight. Weather's supposed to be better this weekend. If not, I mentioned it within a couple hours. There's a lot of racetracks around. Go find your local track and head out and attend and support them. All right. Uh, that's a good pitch there for uh, local short track racing uh, and uh, a lot to look forward to with uh, Darlington uh, being a short track this weekend. 
Um, I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including uh, the website, fanforracing.com. Uh, we're thankful to all of our listeners for tuning in here today and uh, listening to what we say. We hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoy doing it. Um, and then also um, we've got uh, Harrison Burton, the part of the media interview he did uh, with Ford Performance this week, and uh, I'd encourage everybody to go back and take a listen to that. And Jay and I have comments uh, afterward. Uh, but he talks about racing his dad's paint scheme and how, you know, his thought process during that whole uh, thing of uh, trying to decide who, what to run. And um, also, uh, you know, what he does to prepare for races and, uh, you know, how he's looking forward to uh, getting back to winning ways. Uh, with more experience in the Cup Series. So um, it's definitely worth the listen. We'll be back on air this Monday, uh, and uh, we'll do what we can uh, with the radio show. I I might need to do a podcast for the next two radio shows. Uh, That's TBD at this particular point because I've got some requests out for uh, guests. And if the guests are going to be on, then we'll go with our usual time. Uh, but I'm going to be traveling and, and uh, uh, over this next couple of weeks, and it's going to be just more uh, – it'll be better for me uh, to do the podcast during the day versus the evening time. So um, if we can do that, I'll let you guys know. If not, then we'll do it uh, like we always do. So no news is good news. Um, and uh, I look forward to doing the radio show. Hopefully Sal will be back on Monday. I haven't heard anything from him as as of yet, so uh, we'll look forward to having him back on the radio show. With that, we'll call it a day and uh, look forward to uh, more racing on the track this weekend at uh, Darlington Raceway. Um, And... uh, we can call it a night, guys. All right, Sher- Sheridan, one last thing. I was just thinking, I know it's Darlington, not Daytona, but how about a throwback fight like we had back in 1979? We just had one. Maybe we'll have one of the uh, Alice and Yarbrough throwback fights we've seen. <laughs> uh, well, maybe we did it a week early. I don't know. <laughs> there we go. We'll talk to you on Monday. Okay. Good night, everybody.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.